Oh, my friends, you are not going to believe. I mean, it's just, it's a, I'll tell you what, it's a Christmas miracle. That's what it is. What am I talking about? Well, if you caught my vlog last week, you know that I lost my interview with Stacey Eldridge. And if you didn't, go ahead. It's only eight minutes. We'll wait for you. So, yeah, we made the best of a sad situation. And, you know, I think there was actually something beautiful in it. But hold on to your winter hat. Because like something straight out of a Dickens novel or a Hallmark movie, take your pick. The interview came back to me. And you know what they say? If you love something, set it free. And if it comes back, it's a Christmas miracle. Okay, maybe I'm the only one who says that. But the point is, keep listening. Well, here we are, folks. It's official. All you people who've been playing Christmas music since October can safely come out of the closet now. Just don't play Christmas shoes, ever. But I digress. There is magic and music and goodwill for all men, at least for the next four weeks. But I know some of you out there in Misfitland may not be quite feeling it this year. Or maybe this is just a hard time of year period to feel any joy whatsoever. Well, if that's the case, I am so glad that you're here because our very special guest today is here to talk about this whole subject of joy in the face of, well, joylessness. She likes to call it defiant joy. And in fact, she wrote a whole book about it. That she, by the way, is none other than Stacy Eldridge. You know, the author of Captivating, Becoming Myself, and the co-author, co-conspirator of a bunch of other great books and outreaches with, oh, another guy you maybe have heard of, John something. And I'm so very excited to have her here with us on the Isle of Misfits today. So welcome, Stacey Eldridge. Thank you, Nancy. I'm so glad to be here with you, although I'm a little thrown by Christmas shoes and I can't get my hands <laughs> right now. <laughs> it's, why? Why? You know, it's just a pet peeve of mine. Anyone who knows me knows this is the time yeah. of year I rail on it. and I Yeah, yeah. you should. <laughs> I avoid it. I haven't heard it yet on the radio, and I know just by saying it, I'm tempting it to come <laughs> after me. Okay, so aside from that, um, Stacy, we have so much I want to talk to you about today, um, so I, I don't want to waste any time. However, we have to go by tradition here, and tradition dictates that we play a stupid game. So if you're game for my game. I'm game for the game. She's game for the game. Okay, yours, I've gone really easy. I'm just going to throw a softball at you. So we're talking about joy. So when you think about joy, you obviously think about your favorite things, which obviously makes you think about the sound of music. So with that uh, stream of consciousness going, here's your assignment today. We're just going to play. These are a few of Stacy's favorite things. So I'm going to give you a choice. All right, it's going to go like this. Raindrops on roses or whiskers on kittens. Which one? Raindrops on roses. Okay, you're sure? Yep. All right, she's sure. I won't even ask her why, unless you want to volunteer why. Well, I love roses. She loves That's roses. Why. I mean, whiskers on kittens, great, but, you know, I'm never around a kitten. Roses, I'm around. Okay. All right. That makes perfect sense. All right. 
bright copper kettles or warm woolen mittens? Warm woolen mittens. Okay. Well, and you know, they do have like little mittens that you can put over bright copper kettles, but not quite the same thing. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, okay. One more girls in white dresses or snowflakes. Oh, yeah. With, I'm sorry. I have to go back. Girls in white dresses with blue satin sashes. Can't forget those. Or snowflakes that stay on your nose and eyelashes. I think I already know the answer. I kind of want to guess. Go ahead and guess. I'm guessing it's going to be snowflakes that stay on You're your nose and eyelashes. You're wrong. I really? <laughs> I thought I knew you so well. I have granddaughters now. Oh, so right. white dresses with blue satin ribbons. I immediately pictured them in those and went, oh, yes. Okay. See, because I knew you were a nature lover and, you know, you had me with the, the roses and although we didn't talk about raindrops, but okay. All but, right. Yeah, I love them all, but there you go. Very good. Very good. Okay. So there's, uh, so part two to this, so I've just primed you with this. So now I'm going to give you 10 seconds. I'm going to set the timer. 10 seconds to just tell me a few of your actual favorite things. So tell me when you're ready and I'll set the timer. I'm ready. Okay. Ready and go. Baths. And then baths, and then baths. More coffee baths. in the morning, coffee in bed. Time with my children, laughter, Christmas lights. Oh, there goes the timer. All Ta-da. right, very good. Baths and baths and coffee and Christmas lights and what was I missed a my few. My children and your children, of course. Yes. Excellent. Well, Stacy, you did such a great job in this game. I have actually. This is what I've done in days past. I've made an empty promise to my guests that I was going to send them an Isle of Misfits T-shirt. But I'm too poor to have them yet. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you something random from my very own home. So, so something random is coming your way in the near future. Oh, that's fun. That's yeah. fun. So congratulations. You did a wonderful job with this game. So now we all know what Stacy's favorite things are. So moving right along. So I want to pull out a few quotes and just kind of let you go and, and talk to us about them. But before we do that, I wanted to just kind of ask you, was there, was there an event or a series of events that prompted you? to even write this book. Absolutely. This book was birthed out of what was one of the hardest years of my life, which is why it is called defiant joy. Defiant means standing against the tide, about resisting, rebelling, and um, things go on in all of our lives in seasons that are hard. And this season was ruthless. This season we lost a brother, and then we lost our first grandson in an excruciating miscarriage. And then we lost our best friend to leukemia. This was all within a period of six months. Mm -hmm. And then we suffered a betrayal of somebody who I completely trusted and turned out to not, that was not the case. And that's excruciating. And then in the midst of it, I was in the worst pain of my life for about a year where um, I ended up needing a total hip replacement, but I didn't know that was what was going on. And so um, it got really, really bad. So physical pain and emotional pain and grief and loss. And and it's one thing to grieve on your own, but then when someone you love is grieving deeply, it's even worse. So in the midst of that, and sometimes literally beyond the floor crying, not only out of the pain, but also because I didn't think I was living well in the pain, to feel the invitation of God and ask him about like, what's this joy thing that you said we're supposed to have? So I felt this invitation to come closer to his heart and to press in and to know what he means by it a little bit more. Hmm. Okay, so um, this is a great place for me to throw in the first quote. I love this quote. Joy is the currency of heaven. 
What do you mean by that? I mean that God is a God of joy. That's how he operates. And that when we're not knowing or experiencing joy in our lives, then we are not knowing God in a way that he's available for us to know. So it's not something rare. It's not something based on a happy occurrence. It's something that is meant to be a steady influx in our life. It's a, it's a fruit of the Spirit, which means that it's available at all times to us because God is available to us at all times. Right, because, you know, we started out talking about, you know, raindrops yeah, and roses and kittens and all that, but, you know... Those are the things we like to associate with joy, you know, the, the good things, the good life, uh, happiness, and, you know, a good cup of coffee, all that kind of stuff. And those are wonderful things, but we don't, we don't always or often or maybe ever attach the things that you're talking about, loss and grief and pain. How can we be joyful in the midst of that? Well, I think one of the important things is to redefine joy. Um, there, there is the joy where you know your heart is exploding with happiness, and you say, "I feel joyful." The, absolutely, but joy, the biblical joy, is something else altogether. It's a totally different substance, um, and it is something that is tethered to eternity. Happiness tethered to our circumstances, joy tethered to our eternity, and the hope that we have in Christ. So an example is is losing my grandson. That was that was devastating. Mm. And the hope that I have is that I am going to know my grandson very very well. And I will get to trace his face with my fingers and I will laugh with him and to know that right now he is alive and well. That that is that is the buoy of our souls. That's the immovable part that is, is the source of our joy. The source of our joy isn't in things going well. It's in the victory that Jesus has won for us already. Yes, and at some point you, you talked specifically about, you know, waiting. And when we're not experiencing joy now, and like the painful loss is like the loss of your grandson— that, that, that's a loss now. That's real. And yet there are things to look forward to. It's, this is not always how it will be. There is, there is a greater good coming. Yes. Yes. And that, that would be our hope. So, so possessing a joy um, that's rooted in Christ doesn't mean that we're singing and skipping around the garden all day. And, and we are tested on this all of the time because the current news feed is enough to break your heart. Or the way we know about a crisis that happens across the world, we can know about it within moments. And then there's the people that we care about. There's just, there's goodness happening at all times. There's life and beauty available to us at all times. It's, it's really there. But the other stuff is there as well. So to be able to go, okay, what is most true? What has the final say is really, really vital. Mm, the final say, yes, right, because this is not all there is. And it's, it's easy to forget that in, a, in the moments that are all so real when we're actually in physical pain. This isn't the final word. And thank goodness it's not. And it is, you know, we're thinking about, like, what am I going to make for dinner? And I have to pay this bill and I need to return that phone call. And it's really um, easy to be focused just on this life when the invitation from Christ is, is, hey, 
you actually should be spending some time thinking about what's coming, about the reward that's coming, what's going to be like when I return, about... And that really buoys our hope. Like, if this is all there is, like, ugh, this isn't good enough. We're made for much, much more. Right, right. So, all right, here's another quote I pulled out. Um, you said, this isn't for, quote, someday. I'm air quoting there. No, joy is promised now, and it is our inheritance. There is a way to joy. The key is walking that way with our gaze set on Jesus even when the way is dotted with suffering. Right. One of the things that I like about the Bible is that it actually means what it says. Mm. So, so that whole thing about we're instructed to fix our gaze, set your, set your mind on things above, um, whatever's true and pure and lovely and good, think on these things, or fix your gaze on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Like, yeah, he, he, it actually means that. And that's, our part to play. And sometimes that's hard for us to do. There's grace, there's mercy there. And sometimes the only thing we can pray is help, which right. is a powerful prayer. But then to fix our gaze, to turn it on him and let him, let him catch our hearts. Um, we just lost our dog this week. He, mm. he got sick like that. And we, and suddenly after 11 and a half years, he had two days, days at best. And um, it broke my heart. I love my dog. He's oh, my yes. companion. He listened to everything that I had to tell him with no judgment whatsoever. Right. And I had to go to the, go, okay, so where, where are you, God, in this? Like, it's not hypothetical. It, it happens every day. Or I'm driving to work, and I have to check in with, what am I feeling? Okay, if it's not so great. Well, what am I believing? And does that align with the Word of God? Is that true? Because if it's not, then eject it, reject it. And what does the scriptures tell me? What do I believe? Where is my hope? And that's why it is available right now. Like We can grow in this. We can take hold of this. We can grasp this. God actually wants us to live with, it, with lives that are rooted in joy, that aren't tossed back and forth with the circumstances that come and go all the time. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so I, I just have to tell you, so strange. I'm so sorry about the loss of your dog, first you. of all, and second, like what's so strange is we literally just like not even a week ago lost our cat. Which and I know oh. some people say cats don't count, but he really did. <laughs> we loved him yes. so much. Oh, I'm sorry. Right? Yes. Yes. And here's the thing that I learned in this situation, uh, and it was a, it was not it was a very rapid decline. Like we we didn't think it was going to happen that quickly, but in the midst of it, and it was so. Powerful. But, you know, we had this beautiful little ceremony as a family, and my husband prayed this beautiful prayer, and as sad as it was, it was like, God, thank you so much for this gift of this little cat that showed us your love and affection, and yes, this hurt, but I'll tell you what, there's, there's redemption, and I just, you know, so I'll just say that back to you, because I know, you know, grieving the loss of your dog, that's a big deal. It is. And then for Jesus to come, and I love that he does this. He really does. And to have the eyes to see his intervention, his, his messages, his words to us in the midst of it all, that's, that's so good. Yeah, and oh boy. So, all right, back to your quotes. Now I, I have so many here to choose from. I'm just going to pick one. All right, this one, hunger is not my enemy. It is a friend beckoning me onward to faith, 
to trust that in the waiting, my soul is being enlarged for the purposes of God. Okay, you're reminding me, and I really love that, because sometimes when we are, another place for hunger would be dissatisfied, mm-hmm. or aware that we, we want more, we need more, and we can shame ourselves for that, go, well, there's something wrong with me in that, when actually I write also in the book that it's not a sign that something is wrong with you. It's a sign that something's wrong with our world Mm. and you're made for something more. And as we wait for it, we are enlarged like a pregnant woman as she's waiting for this child. She is enlarged and our heart's capacity to press into the heart of God is enlarged. And it's enlarged primarily with the hope that the hunger is not going to last forever. We don't have to despise it. We can look at it as a doorway to to enter into the fact that we need God and to ask Him to come for us. I, I need more of God. I need more of God. And to, to pray that, to ask for that, and to go, this hunger is actually a gift and that it's making me press into you. Yes, yes. And there's two levels of that because, all right, here's here's a quote. You said, God has given us golden nuggets in the bleakest of times. I loved that quote. And that's that's part of it. He blesses us with, you know, with stuff, with beautiful creation and, and weather and things and people. Yes. And yet he also, the greater blessing is, is him. It's, it's himself. Right. Right. And that's what I hear you saying. It's like, you know, he, he it's not even an either or. He gives us both. But when we look to him, we get both. When we look to the stuff, we don't necessarily get him. Exactly. And we're going, oh, that's so good. <laughs> it's so true. And it, it's, it's, it's like, and I know that you know people like this, Nancy, and people listening who, who have gone through really hard times. And yet at the end of them say, I wouldn't change a thing because of what I came to know of God through it. And um, it was, a, it was a, a gal that I didn't even know well, but she wrote me and said that she called her pain sacred pain. Mm. Wow. Yeah, not a word you would typically use, right? Right, but became sacred because of, of what it required. When we're pressed to the mat, those, those are the times where we encounter God. Those are the times that change us the most. I love being happy. I love things going well the best. Me too. Number one choice. <laughs> yes, yes. Given the choice, happy, not happy. Yeah, I'll take happy. Happy. Yeah. And um, pain? No, thank you. And yet, when I look back on my life, it's not generally the happy times that I learned the most. And I want to press into God in the happy times so that he's available to me when things aren't going well. But, um, yeah, I forgot, what, I forgot what we were talking about. Well, let me tell you. Here's what you said. You want to hear what you said? Because yeah. I like this. All right, let me tell you what Stacy Eldridge said about this. Suffering is an essential part of all our lives. And it is when we are in the very midst of it that God reminds us that the absence of suffering, I love this, the absence of suffering is not our good. The presence of God is our good. And knowing his presence in the pain is the sweetest gift of all. That's what you said. Yeah, and amen and amen. And I, I believe it. I actually believe it. Because I really thought for a long time the absence of pain was my good. I um, right. 
you know, the emotional pain or the physical pain, particularly, you know, it's a bummer. And, and actually I'm in it again. I need my other hip replaced. And, and so I'm walking with a cane. It's, it's walking is painful. Moving is painful. And, um, it's, it's easy for me to look at people that are walking well or running. And I wonder, am I ever going to be able to do that again? And God has spoken to me some things about that, some long-term, some long-term promises. But I also can look at that and go, and what if I didn't have God? And yet I'm able to run and move and dance and do it all, but I don't have him. Um, That's an easy pick. That's really an easy choose. Either I'm going to have the oceans of love that I get invited to swim in because this God is so lavish and extravagant and I get to know that or, or not. And I, I pick Jesus. I pick up number one choice. Mm, I'm right there with you because uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that, that assaults us and distracts us and makes us think that life is about the acquisition of stuff or accolades or achievement or Maslow's hierarchy of needs. But in the end, I'm going to pull out one more quote because I think you, you summarize this really well. You say, what is the worst possible thing that could ever happen to you? And I love that because that's a saying. I'd like to say what could possibly go wrong. But the worst possible thing that could ever happen to you cannot ever possibly happen to you. And that is separation from the love of God. Whether we accept that is another deal, but nothing can separate us from God's love. Which is the ultimate good news. Because I don't know how many others out there rehearse terrible things that could happen to them. And generally, it's, it's the loss of someone else. Um, right. or, or a marriage or a child or, or you know, there are terrible things that happen. We know that they happen and we can live in the posture of fear. So it was really good to go. What is actually the worst? Because I, I'm walking alongside people who have recently lost a husband and one lost his son unexpectedly. And, and I'm getting to see the grace of God coming for them because the ultimate worst thing is separation from God and not being a recipient or knowing his love and to know that he never pulls that back. He's just what he, what he has bestowed. We can't get ourselves out of it. So I love that. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, not past, not future, not ourselves. We can't do it. And so, so that's a place of rest for me. Right. We're not that powerful. We can't even do it. And God crossed that that chasm, that gap that we could not to try to reach him, but he right. reached out to us. Oh, Stacy, I have so many more cards with so many more quotes, and I would love to keep talking with you, but I know we have to wrap things up. So um, let's talk about where people can get your book. Oh, great. Well, you can get it wherever you know, wherever you buy your books, on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Lifeway. Um, you can get them from our website, Work for Ransomed Heart Ministries. You can order it there. So it's available all over the place. 
All right. And yes, so since you mentioned Ransomed Heart, I'm going to put a plug in for that. You have a great daily, uh, uh, well, you have a podcast, a, a weekly podcast, but you have a great daily reading, uh, like a devotional thought that's usually from one of your books. And I highly recommend it. There's so much encouragement there. Uh, Stacy. just thank you so much for, for being with us today. Thank you for writing this book. Thanks for playing our stupid game. And uh, what a joy it's been. Nancy, for me too. Thank you for what you do, really. Thank you. Well, you take care, and you have a wonderful and joyful holiday season. Thank you. You too. So, I mean no disrespect to all the other fine books out there, but I'm just saying, get this book. If you don't need it, and I think you probably do. I guarantee you know someone who does. And what an amazing gift to give them for the holidays. Literally, the gift of joy. Like Stacy said, you can get it anywhere. You acquire your book stuffs. But may I recommend visiting RansomedHeart.com because there is just so, so much good, encouraging, challenging stuff there. So there you have it. Get the book, be encouraged, and when you're done with all that, visit me on the Isle of Misfits.com. Oh yeah, and you'll want to visit again soon because guess what? Stacy's gonna be back for another chat. For real. Stay tuned for that. And until then, own your awkward, love your fellow misfit, and look for beauty, truth, and Christmas miracles. They are out there. <laughs>